Hey there, this is Heather McAllister, a health coach for women in midlife. I went from feeling fat and tired at 40 to living my best life ever nine years later. I now feel better than ever in my body and in my clothes. I feel a renewed sense of purpose and energy and I'm here to share that with you. It was not an easy path. I had a lot of missteps along the way, but all those missteps have made it easier to help women facing the same struggles. So I created the Get Better With Heather podcast to give you simple and effective strategies to do the same thing. So if you're a woman in midlife and you're struggling to feel good in your body, to take off extra weight without obsessing over food, to get motivated and get moving, then this podcast is for you. Hit the subscribe button to stay up to date and let's get started. What is up my friends? This is Heather McAllister, health and weight loss coach from the Get Better with Heather show. Today we are talking about all things perimenopause. So we have been, the past few episodes, working on this theme of weight loss and hormones and how to better balance hormones, how to lose weight and feel better, all of that. And we need to talk about the last group of hormones and This is going to kind of sum up a little bit of the past few episodes, but you may want to listen in if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, whether or not you're noticing any changes in your body or not, but this could be really important to helping you understand kind of what's going on in your body and not necessarily accepting everything as just normal aging. And I'm going to really clarify what I mean by that. I'm referencing a book in this episode written by Anne Louise Gittleman. And the book is called Before the Change. So this is one of the books that I referenced um, overall in my work putting together material. I have a whole list of books that um, I've read and have helped me gain the knowledge for my own body. And I'm really here to share what I'm learning to you because for me, it was life-changing to understand what was going on in my body and why what I felt was normal but not normal. So uh, just a little bit of background, Anne Louise Gittleman is a Columbia University trained nutritionist. She has numerous books out there on health and nutrition. This particular book is really focused on what's going on with our bodies before we hit menopause. And that period of time, which can range for different women from, you know, you know, a few years to 10 years is called perimenopause. Um, And it's different for everybody. So everyone experiences this a little bit differently, but I'm going to share just a teeny bit about myself. And maybe this will be something you can relate to. So once I hit 40, it felt like overnight. My body, I noticed a difference like right away. Um, I was putting more weight on easily. 
um, that was really the first change that I noticed. And I was especially noticing it in my belly. Like as soon as I went out with friends or kind of went off what I, when I consider like my healthy diet, um, and indulged on weekend, I felt like overnight I would put on weight and I was exercising really hard. So it was very frustrating and I just wasn't able to take the weight off. Like it's ex- even if like I exercised really hard and was really, really good, like my cravings would sabotage me and I would gain the weight right back. I was also feeling more tired and I noticed a sharp change in my ability to focus and concentrate. So those are some other things that just started to pop up a little bit. And it wasn't until I, um, at work, had my blood tested just as part of a wellness check, and it showed that my A1C was high. And you may go back to my last episode where I talked about insulin resistance, um, because that's where that all comes into play. So basically, A1C is measuring your blood sugar levels over a period of time. So it's kind of like, you know, when you get your blood sugar levels tested, um, the blood sugar levels that they test when you're fasting is really just measuring what's going on in that very moment. Your A1C is kind of a picture of what's been going on over the past, you know, month or two. And my A1C was actually borderline pre-diabetic and I was astounded. Like I I couldn't believe it. That was one thing that had never crossed my mind that might be a problem I was facing. Um, I, at that period, in that period of time was still kind of eating the same way I had been eating in my thirties. And, you know, in my thirties, after having children, I kind of had this I don't know, program of eating, I guess. It's, I don't know if you would really consider it a diet. I wasn't dieting necessarily, but the food habits that I had, I hadn't changed them. So when I hit 40, they were pretty much the same. And all of a sudden I noticed that I was putting on this weight and I was actually really active running and exercising, um, all of that. So my A1C did bring to light why I was having problems with weight gain around my belly um, and not being able to take it off. And again, going back to my last episode, really thinking about insulin resistance as part of the factor. But then fast forward a few years and I got better. I got a better handle on my weight and my foods. Definitely all of that. I really started to dial that in. But I also noticed that I was developing a shorter fuse. I was notably more emotional. Um, And then in the mix of all of that, my cycle was really irregular. And then, you know, after that, having hot flashes. So when I've talked to my doctor about this, all of these symptoms, um, she basically was like, anything, you know, anything can go now. You know, it's perimenopause. This is what happens. So many people experience some variation of these symptoms. Some people may or may not have hot flashes. Some people may or may not have the resistant weight gain or weight loss. Um, You know, all of these things are experienced differently for people. And some people may get them quickly. And some people like me, it may be more gradual. But this change in my body my mood, my appetite, my brain's ability to focus, 
all of them were signs that I was in perimenopause. And there are a ton of symptoms that can range anywhere from allergies to acne, facial hair to fatigue, heart palpitations, mood swings. I mean, there's so many symptoms. And many people like me will go to the doctor only to be told it's just the way it is, right? You're getting older. However, to be sure, However, you know, you really should be sure that, that these symptoms aren't attributed to something else going on. So it is always important to follow up with your doctor or physician, you know, nurse practitioner, whoever it is that you see and make sure that there isn't anything else going on. But many of these symptoms are simply our hormones and they're changing and they become, I like to call them fickle. <laughs> when we were in our 20s and 30s, they weren't so reactive to what was going on. But basically what's happening over time is that our ovaries are becoming less active and our estrogen and progesterone levels begin to fluctuate. And that's kind of the crux of perimenopause and what's going on. And it's totally normal that we experience these changes. The difference is that few women really understand how to alleviate these symptoms and how to better balance hormones. So yeah, some of this is just life's changes, right? But we've added on top of these changes, high stress, um, you know, fluctuations in our insulin levels, all of these other things that actually exacerbate the symptoms of perimenopause. And a lot of times we have, you know, gut health issues just from our lifestyles and, you know, our lifestyle and the foods that we eat. And all of this sort of creates this perfect storm. Um, and you've probably heard me talk about, like I said before, insulin levels and cortisol levels and all of that in my previous podcasts. Um, so it's definitely something to go back and talk and to listen to because I think it'll create this whole picture for you of how all of these things interplay with each other. Um, so according to Gittleman, there are five main hormone systems. And I know this is a little bit technical, but I really think it's important to just have a general idea of what's going on. Because I know for me, it has really helped to have a real tangible thing to think about when I'm making decisions, whether it's my activity level or my food choices or my lifestyle and to know like, what is it that I'm actually aiming to improve? So I, I, I do apologize because I know this is a little bit technical, but Gittleman talks about these, these areas of the body are these um, five main hormone systems. One of them are the blood sugar hormones, um, which include glucagon and insulin. Then we've got the stress hormones, which are adrenaline and cortisol. Our sex hormones, which are estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And hunger hormones, um, such as adiponectin, ghrelin, and leptin. And lastly, anti-aging hormone, which is human growth, horm growth hormone. And the relationship to all of these symptoms, or all of these systems rather, is nutrition, stress, lifestyle, and sex hormones. 
And I know I've said it a few times, but we talked about cortisol and stress and blood sugar hormone insulin in previous podcasts. Stress in everyday life exacerbates the symptoms of perimenopause. Um, so what might not have bothered you, you know, before hitting perimenopause may now suddenly bother you because of the fluctuations in estrogen and progesterone. So this is definitely an area to get a handle on. If you're suffering from any erratic symptoms um, and eating a hormone-regulating diet and exercising moderately, managing stress can often really be enough to alleviate the discomfort that we feel when we're going through these changes. So we're not going to change this from happening, but we definitely can impact um, better balance and feel good and better. There is a possibility of hormone therapy, um, and that's something that you can talk to your doctor about um, because that does play a role in managing your symptoms. But it's something that you really should get tested and you know have your your levels checked and see what specifically might help. So in this podcast today, we're going to talk mainly about estrogen and progesterone because these are the two hormones that become disrupted and imbalanced, especially when we're eating a lot of processed carbohydrates and sugar, which can cause an exacerbation of these imbalances. In addition to insulin levels, inadequate nutrition Um, which depletes the vitamins and minerals, which also can throw off estrogen and progesterone. So we need to have the right fats in our diet and the right vitamins and minerals. And we need to be able to absorb those through a healthy gut in order to even create hormones in our body. So estrogen dominance um, is a common problem and can make these symptoms worse. Um, Symptoms such as depression, the fat gain, fatigue, foggy, foggy thinking rather, headaches, PMS, water retention. And in order to alleviate perimenopause symptoms in the book, Before the Change by Louise Gittleman that that I'm referencing, she really suggests taking the symptoms as a whole and healing the underlying underlying cause of some of these imbalances. So I'm going to go over a few of those. I'm not going to go over every single one that she suggests. So it's definitely something if you're interested in, you can, um, I'm sure, purchase her book on Amazon or Google it and take a look at what she suggests. But one of the things that I think is a really easy fix that I've incorporated into my diet, which is really healthy, is flaxseed and flaxseed oil. And I actually use ground flaxseed. I store it in my my freezer. And it contains a a good ratio of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, which are really important to helping to transform hormones um, that allow your body to have better balance. So it's really, these things are essential for hormone balance. It's also a really good remedy for perimenopausal symptoms such as skin conditions, um, depression, fatigue, 
and can help fight um, potentially cancer. It can help lower cholesterol and makes insulin more effective. One caveat here is if you have a thyroid condition, you may want to toast the flaxseed in the oven first because it helps deactivate compounds that can suppress um, the, the thyroid's ability to take up iodine. Um, some of the ways I use flaxseed is I add it to smoothies. I will put it on my oatmeal for breakfast. You could put it in water and drink it. It's not the most um, <laughs> delicious way to take it. Um, you could sprinkle it on salads. You can add it to soups. I mean, there's just so many things that you can add it to and incorporate that into your diet. She also suggests black currant seed oil. Now, this is something that I have not tried, but I have heard a lot about um, GLA, which is gamma linoleic acid. And this is a fatty acid that helps with also the conversion of hormones um, or uh, hormone-like prostaglandins, which help to stimulate fat burn. So this can actually be really help helpful with stimulating your body's ability to use fat for fuel, which is um, something I'll be talking about in episodes to come. This can also help with symptoms such as cramping, irritability, headaches, and water retention. She also in the book talks about magnesium and multivitamins and a few different really important vitamins to make sure that you're getting. So one of them is magnesium. Um, she also suggests getting um, B-complex, uh, B6 methylated folate and methylated B12, vitamin C and vitamin E. And then she suggests if those do not necessarily help enough to make sure you're getting enough zinc um, because it helps to lower estrogen um, and increase progesterone levels. And that's something, especially if you're vegetarian, you could be deficient in. So she also talks about some you know, hormone replacement options. That's definitely a conversation I think to have with a physician. Moving every day is really important because it helps to reduce our cortisol levels. Um, there's just so many reasons why moving every day and having adequate muscle mass is really, really important to balancing hormones, balancing ins uh, insulin levels and all of that. Stress. Um, the next sort of um, hormonal balance alleviator, if you want to call it that. Um, so managing stress. And I talk about, I talked about this a lot in one of my latest episodes. Um, but chronic stress really, it influences what's going on in our bodies. And I, I do want to just add that, you know, we sometimes think, you know, zoning out to Netflix or getting our nails done is self-care, right? We've, we've heard this a lot out there, like take care of yourself, self-care. I do believe there's, a, there's room for that or there should be some room for that in our lives. But we, in fact, oftentimes need to take an even more active role in reducing stress by learning coping mechanisms and learning, 
you know, different mindset strategies and mindfulness strategies to actually combat stress, especially if it's, um, you're living a pretty high stress life. Another area, and again, these are huge topics, so we're just scratching the surface on this, but, you know, working on liver and bile health is really, really important because our liver detoxifies our body, so it's how, you know, all the toxins get eliminated, so supporting that in our bile helps us to digest foods properly. So we need both of those things to be working really good in order to get the nutrients we need out of the foods that we're eating, but then also to be able to eliminate toxins through our body. So the last thing I'm going to talk about is controlling carbs because this impacts not only um, how we gain weight and um, our insulin levels, but the topic of carbohydrates has become a really hot topic in the past few years. And my opinion is that there are some really healthy carbs, um, actually essential carbs for us women to have in our diets very often. So you have to be careful when we cut them out completely. There are some foods that I would say we're better off not having and will positively influence your health overall. But we want to make sure that we're not eliminating foods where we're getting essential B vitamins and nutrients, especially that help our thyroid hormone to work. So really collectively, we need to look at how our body works as a system and not just individual parts of our body. So we're not just working on just insulin levels or just cortisol levels or just our sex hormones. They all interplay with each other. And you might be starting to see this picture of how, you know, your liver and your gut microbiome and your mental state are all influencing these things. So we want to make sure we're getting good nutrients without causing high blood sugar levels and the high insulin levels. But we just make sure we're eating carbs that are healthier for us. And I want to mention there are some sneaky carbohydrates that may sound healthy but are actually causing problems. And, you know, even things like whole grain flour, while that sounds really healthy, can cause problems with blood sugar levels and all of that. It can be processed in our bodies very similarly. So while it's deemed healthier, it can actually cause those same blood sugar peaks and valleys as high sugary treats. So if you're thinking about, there's even um, granola, and I talked about you know yogurts and things like that. Um, we think that they're healthier, but we have to be really careful. Um, one of the things that Louise Gittleman talks about in her book is um, changing our macronutrient macro nutrient ratio. So you may have heard of macros. I'm not a huge fan of counting macros, although some people like to do that. She suggests um, a 40-30-30 ratio. So that's 40% fat, 30% carb, and 30% protein. And she's not saying to follow this strictly. And I think for everyone, what it really comes down to 
is we're all different and different things work for different people. Again, it's not simple necessarily. We all have different genetic makeups. You know, there's just so many things that make us all individuals, but being open to changing that maybe and experimenting and seeing what feels good for you. One of the things that I actually really find helpful is using this idea of the magic plate. And this is something that I do coach people on in my coaching program is really looking at the plate and the ratios visually. And you're always working on filling up your plates. You're never walking away from a meal feeling as if you're not satisfied or you're hungry because you're eating the, the right amount of foods for you in the right proportion. So you may be wondering, um, you know, what are good foods for you to eat? And recently I did an experiment going gluten-free and I noticed a huge change in my overall body and my inflammation and all of my symptoms. And I actually went dairy-free as well. So if you're thinking about going that route, um, you may want to consider a couple of things, especially if you're going the gluten-free route. Millet, amaranth, buckwheat, and quinoa, those are really good grains that are not only gluten-free, but are slower carbs. So they're going to have a less of an impact on your blood sugar levels. You may also want to consider low fructose fruits because they are really beneficial. They're providing you with polyphenols, um, which actually do help with fat breakdown and help to interfere with the production of new fat cells. So some of these fruits are actually really, really good for you um, in more ways than one. Blackberries, strawberries, raspberries, and wild blueberries are top on the list. Other fruits that are lower in fructose include apricots, avocados, blackberries, cantaloupe, um, grapefruit, honeydew melons, kiwis, mandarin oranges and oranges, plums and pineapples, and again, all the berries. So these are really good fruits and, and treats that you think of as sugary that are helpful. And it really is, I think, looking at your plate and the right proportions of food groups to fill in your plate. I really like the idea, again, of filling it up because are filling up your plate because this changes the mindset from one of dieting and deprivation to one of you know abundance and being able to walk away from a meal feeling satisfied versus hungry and deprived so again a couple of um, just to kind of sum up what are some good carbohydrates Vegetables, beans, and nuts are just a few of the carbohydrates that can provide the nutrients and the energy that you need. Carbohydrates are excellent sources of fiber, which we need for our gut health, and which also help to eliminate toxins from your body. So this is super important, especially if you're having some perimenopausal symptoms. So overall, just to wrap things up... Um, when you think about what you're eating and if you're getting the right nutrients, especially healthy carbs and fats are important. So we're not trying to cut out carbohydrates completely, in my opinion. For most women, it's not helpful. It is getting the right ratio for you. 
And it's also looking at how the stress in your life is impacting you and how you're handling it. Are you moving enough every day to help balance your hormones? And you could refer back to this book for more suggestions um, for sure. And again, the book is Before the Change and Taking Charge of Your Perimenopause by Anne Louise Gittleman. It's super helpful. She has um, recipes and um, all kinds of suggestions when it comes down to exact nutrients that can help with your symptoms. But I think for all women, you know, entering their 40s um, and into their 50s especially, it's really important to understand the role that our lifestyle plays and the foods that we eat and how it's impacting us. And while all of these things are changes that are going to happen, we can thrive in this period of our life if we take just a little bit better care of our bodies. So that does it for today, guys. I will see you or talk to you in the next episode. Take care.